You're now listening to Filmed on Location, real untold stories from the people behind filming locations of someone's favorite movie. My name is Katie Orphan, and I was the manager of the last bookstore for a decade. I think I left about a week before my 10-year anniversary. So I, I was with the last bookstore from its earliest version when it was just based out of the owner's apartment, and we were just selling books online. We didn't have a physical location, and when a property became available um, in downtown, I I had been hired because I had previous bookstore experience. So we started putting together a bookstore and our original location was tiny. It was um, just under a thousand square feet. And we were there for um, about a year and a half. And there was a little filming there while we were there, but um, the previous tenants were uh, a DVD rental store, I guess store is the best word. And while they were still there, uh, 500 Days of Summer shot there. So we would occasionally get people who came in and recognized it from that. And then uh, we had to move. Uh, We knew we had a short lease. Uh, Started looking for other locations downtown. And the owner found uh, the space that we, that the last bookstore has been in since, uh, 2011 in the Spring Arts Tower. It's an old bank, as are a lot of the buildings downtown, uh, at least in the corridor of downtown Los Angeles where the last bookstore is located. So we got that ground floor space and went from a thousand square feet to 10,000 square feet which is a huge change. And, you know, uh, Josh, who owns the store, really wanted to create a bookstore that looked like it could belong in a hundred-year-old bank building. And so everything, you know, from the paint colors to the wood finish to the style, um, those sort of steampunk elements that we had, all were intentional to make it look like the bookstore could have been there for the century that the building existed. And that becomes especially relevant now to uh, the point of your podcast in that the last bookstore is the main bookstore in Los Angeles that looks like it could be on the East Coast or in Chicago. LA has some really lovely bookstores and you know, I don't, I don't think I've watched a single commercial TV show, movie, etc., filmed in a bookstore in LA in the last decade without immediately spotting what bookstore is standing and where. But um, you know, we were really the ones that could pull off um, an East Coast look, and downtown LA is used all the time. Uh, to replicate New York mostly, Chicago occasionally. But, you know, if somebody wants to get 
on location, off the back lot, and, you know, have that sort of urban density with buildings that are, you know, a hundred some years old, alleyways, things like that, you go downtown. The the number of New York-based cop shows that I have uh, either hosted or, you know, had my normal lunch break interrupted by uh, is pretty significant. Lots of, lots of New York, you can't see my fingers, but air quotes, New York filming happens in DTLA. So with all of that in mind, um, you know, we got scouted a lot for that. We got to play a bookstore, trying to think, I think we maybe had one or two things that shot in the store that were, you know, the store was dressed to be something other than a bookstore. But for the most part, it always, almost always plays a bookstore. Usually it's a scene involving a book signing, um, but with Gone Girl, uh, <laughs> if you've seen it, you know it's a, a very different scene in that regard. And it it was the biggest shoot we ever had in a in a lot of ways in that it was certainly the biggest budget film that we ever had film at the store it was a lot of television some commercials and um, mostly smaller budget indie films that shot there um, but yeah they you know they had the bigger scale crew and budget and ended up renting out the last bookstore for four days to be able to dress the set, which was certainly the longest part of it. They changed out some features. They added in some shelving. I mean, they even uh, got in touch with the guy who built our lighting fixtures to have him build additional lighting fixtures for an area of the store that had really been storage at that point. That section of the store is where they filmed uh, the scene where um, Nick and Amy have sex in the bookstore. So that that was an area that had, up until that time, not been a functional part of the bookselling space, at least not for the public. It served plenty of function for us. Uh, but yeah, they, they ended up building a bunch of shelves, installing lighting. They swapped out the doors on the store. It was, it was a lot of fun to get to work with mostly the, you know, the art department, set decoration, the carpenter crews, um, and just get to participate with them as they were building the set. And then during filming itself to get to hang out with David Fincher in Video Village was this former film student's dream come true. I'm like, the, you know, I'd, I'd had to do intense breakdowns, like shot by shot of certain scenes in Fight Club, uh, when I was taking filmmaking classes. And then here I was, uh, at my normal job getting to watch David Fincher direct a movie. So it was pretty thrilling. So four days. But only one of those days was actually filming. We had two days of prep. And again, you know, on a, on a TV show, they might come in at like two in the morning to start prepping, shoot all day, 
and then, you know, clear out and be gone by like midnight. So it's a crazy long day, but they get it all in one. With Gone Girl, it was a much more reasonable pace. Like, it wasn't that they were asking people to work a 20 hour day to prep. There were two normal ish length days. I don't know, maybe 10 hour days, 12 hour days, which on set is not unusual. So they, yeah, they installed all the new shelves. They installed the lighting fixtures, swapped out the doors. There was actually a section of bookshelves upstairs because the downstairs bookshelves at the last bookstore are all on wheels, which is really convenient for filming, great for events. Anything we need to do, we can move those. The upstairs shelves, on the other hand, are not. They are drilled into the floor. And so they took out some of the upstairs bookshelves to be able to put dolly tracks in to be able to shoot from the mezzanine to catch the action on the ground floor. So, you know, I spent a good chunk of time with guys in set deck who were photographing all the bookshelves because they had to clear the shelves, take, you know, take the screws out, the bolts, I guess, out, move the shelves and the books, and then filming day. And then that last day was all reset. And so then they had to reinstall the bookshelves, reinstall all of the books and have it match all of the pictures they'd taken. And I really, really love working with set deck, working with sort of the art department in general, because they, you know, they are really good about getting everything back perfectly the way it was. So it was four days, but as happens on most sets, no matter what, like most of the time is not being caught on film. It's set up, it's tear down. So there was a day of filming and it was, I mean, it was a full day and it, you know, it does, it ends up being a pretty short scene in the movie. There was, there was more that was shot that wasn't in the final cut. Not that I can remember very well what any of that is. I just remember having spent all day watching. And then when I saw the movie being like, oh, oh, they didn't use this and they didn't use that. That, again, happens in a lot of movies. You end up cutting things for pacing, for whatever you need. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, David Fincher was really nice. We chatted a little, mostly about the bookstore. And then I was invited to come sit in Video Village and watch while they were filming. And it was amazing. And I did. I did get to talk to Ben Affleck a bunch. He he was buying books for his home at that time. And so he was chatting with me about that. And then I ended up, and this happens every time we host filming, you know, people still want to buy books. They're walking around working and, you know, collect a pile. And then on a break or at the end of the day, they come up to buy books from me. And so I ended up selling him a number of books and, uh, gosh, oh, I guess this, this becomes slightly important. So at the time that they were filming, it was 
during the World Series that year, and the Red Sox were in the series. And, you know, the the game wasn't until after shooting wrapped for the day, so that was fine. But, you know, he was he was wearing a Red Sox cap when they weren't filming. And I was I was in the back at one point and the back door opened and I turned to you know, tell whoever was coming in that they couldn't, that there was film, you know, that the store was closed and we were filming for the day, but it wasn't customers. It was Casey Affleck and Matt Damon walking in to visit with Ben. Um, and they were all in their Red Sox gear as well. And I just sort of stared in mute wonder. I was like, I was prepared for the people I saw. And I am a huge fan of the 2005 Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice. I watch it all the time. I went to grad school near um, the house where they shot uh, for Pemberley, have artwork from the movie. So for me, Rosamund Pike was like the biggest deal. I was like, oh my gosh, Jane Bennett and I are in the same room. It's thrilling. But I knew. And then, uh, yeah, just like watching Matt Damon walk in, I, my jaw just kind of dropped a little and I was like, keep it together. Don't be a weirdo. Just let him be. And, you know, I I did not talk to him or Casey at all. They were there to, you know, chat about baseball and see how Ben was doing. But it was still pretty wild. I was like, I was, I was not prepared for this. Prepared for everything else. Prepared to hang out with a director I love, but I was I, no... No one told me Matt Damon would be here. I think everybody's experience is a little different. You know, we had certain parameters in place because we didn't own the building. We leased the building. And, you know, we were just two out of 12 floors in the building. So, you know, if there's filming in the store, not only does it affect our staff, our customers... It also has an impact on the wider building. It means there's a change to access for all the tenants above. And it's, it's an entirely commercial building, the Spring Arts Tower. But, you know, if, if there are cables running in and, you know, parking lots are closed for base camp, things like that, it affects the building as a whole. So for the last bookstore, and I know this is pretty common, at least in downtown where my experience lies, that most of the buildings have a location manager who, you know, kind of handles the business end of things. They have a list, you know, from the building owner of all of the things they need. And that's, you know, the contracts, the insurance, all of that. It's funny because I'm like, the store continues to do things. I'm just not there. So I'm never sure what tends to use. But we worked with a woman named Elaine who, you know, had been doing this for years and years. And so she would know to ask questions that I didn't necessarily think of. But she and I generally worked as a team because I could answer all of the questions that were specific to the store. You know, I when we would get scouted, it's usually a, a multi-step process. There's usually... A location scout who, you know, will come in, 
ask if they can take pictures, maybe tell you what it's for, you know, whether specific or vaguely, like, you know, we're shooting a half day commercial and we're looking for this, or, you know, we're doing a, you know, two day television shoot, whatever it is, they might not necessarily tell you what the show or commercial or anything is until uh, you're a little further in the process, but they take photos and, you know, at this point, so many location scouts have scouted the last bookstore that they have pictures on file already. So that step might be skipped. Somebody might just get in touch and say, hey, are these still the right people to talk to? You say yes or no, and then they continue on. And if, you know, if the director, production manager, designer, producers, etc., all like the location, then they come in to scout it in person. And if they decide to move forward on the location, then they bring basically all the heads of the departments. So you have, you know, you've got people who are figuring out lighting and sound and design and, you know, all sorts of things that become really important on the day of the shoot that you're maybe not thinking about at the time. Like, you know, there, there are folks whose job it is to like lay out mats on the floor for carts to roll on. So it doesn't damage the flooring. You know, so a frequent question when you're dealing with a hundred year old terrazzo floors is, do we have to do layout mats all over or, you know, what, what's the status on the floor? And so Elaine and I would kind of tag team that. I was the one who, you know, would show them things like the fuse box and explain what's set to what, what our, you know, ampage is. And, you know, essentially it's a really old building. You have to bring in generators and just walking them through that. But it was really great to have somebody who knew the business side of it, knew the legal side of it in a way that in my early years, I, I didn't. By the end, you know, I I knew most of what they were asking for and, you know, kind of spoke the language pretty well. And it was stuff that we were able to apply for, like, private events, you know, knowing the kind of insurance policies they would ask for and things like that. But yeah, it would it would take multiple steps. Some things have a really fast turnaround. We would get scouted one, you know, we might get scouted on a Wednesday and the following Wednesday, they might be filming for a TV show because it is super fast. Commercials can happen similarly. Features tend to have a much longer pre-production and planning. And so with Gone Girl, you know, we knew three months, I want to say, might have been four, in advance that they would be filming there. So we had a lot of notice there versus the, oh, somebody popped in to take pictures? Oh, somebody's scouting in person. Oh, tech scout. Oh, and uh, I guess we better notify all of our customers that will be closed. Which I guess brings me back to the other thing you asked about in that process of, you know, making sure as we calculate what we will charge someone to rent out the store for filming, there are a lot of factors. You know, I would sit down every quarter to look at what our average sales per hour were for weekdays versus weekends, you know, and kind of factor that in 
and base our fees on what we would expect to lose, both in straight sales, but also a little bit of factoring in the like ugh, disappointment factor. There was not a day we were closed for filming that we did not have groups of people coming by saying they were visiting from out of town. Visiting the bookstore was on their list of must-sees, and here they are, and we are closed. And it was always very disappointing and very frustrating for them and me. And we would do our best. You know, it was on all of our social media leading up to it, the day of. We would change our voicemail message. As soon as we had filming locked down, we'd change it so if you called, even if it was three days in advance, you would hear we will be closed this day. We would put physical signs up around the store. We would do all of that, but there were always people who were disappointed. You know, we would make a point of telling our regular customers we would be closed, but there, it was inevitable we would encounter folks who just, you know, didn't necessarily have access to the means that we had used to uh, notify folks. So all that to say, when we're calculating how do we charge, it's mostly about lost sales, a little bit about lost goodwill from customers, and, you know, making sure that the people who would have been working that day are able to have the day off um, and still get paid, because the store is getting paid. And, you know, when you're working hourly in retail, uh, and your shift gets cut, for filming, it's only, I don't know, kind, generous, ethical to make sure that, you know, their, their shift is capped in terms of pay. I would say of all the things that have filmed at the last bookstore, Gone Girl is not number one in what people ask about, but people do ask about it. Or I'll hear people point out like, oh, this is where that scene in Gone Girl was. And it's hilarious because the table where they have sex in the store is in what is actually the kids section. And it's very well lit and there's always kids around. So I'm like, yeah, you couldn't actually do any of that in real life. But, you know, they made it work for the movie. But yeah, I have people I have people point that out. And especially around the time that the movie came out, because some of the production stills that were used for publicity around the release were like pictures of them there's there's one of of Ben Affleck especially in an aisle of the bookstore like looking at a book and you know people would like send me that still in various things they you know I think it was in Entertainment Weekly it was in a few other things and people would be like oh my gosh did you see this it's your store I'm like Yes, yes it is. I had not seen that picture, but I saw it happening, so... Yeah, certainly plenty of people who recognize it or, you know, would come up to us at the back and say, Hey, is this where they filmed Gone Girl? And I'm sure plenty of, of pictures. I mean, there were always folks taking pictures with the sign out front or, you know, some of the architectural aspects that aren't in the movie. But yeah, lots lots of folks who, who recognized it. So the first season of You 
was filmed in New York. The second season of You was filmed in LA, but they filmed at Skylight in Los Feliz. So it's my neighborhood bookstore. And I'm friends with the manager there. So she and I were trading stories about filming when they had to shut down a few times for you because they filmed there multiple times for the second season. So under the Silver Lake and in the third season of Love on Netflix, the last bookstore played itself. Here is a fun piece for Under the Silver Lake. It was That scene was initially intended to be shot at a different store that we have a relationship with. And there was a guy who worked at the last bookstore who technically worked for the other store because they had a pop-up location. He's an actor. He auditioned to play the part of the employee. And they and he told them that he actually worked for Secret Headquarters at the last bookstore. And they still didn't cast him. We were so sad. We were like, you could have had verisimilitude. You could have actually had a guy who works here playing a guy who works here. Uh, but they did not go for it. That's fine. It's fine. But yeah, those those are really the two that the last bookstore played itself. The show that we would get the most visitors to see locations from was Castle on ABC. It was the first thing we shot in the store. They They filmed, you know, we'd been open for maybe a couple months at that point in in that location and there are a lot of people who uh you know essentially do castle filming location you know self-guided tours around downtown so we would get a number of people who would come in asking specifically about castle and then i'd point out to them uh all the other places within (laughs) eyesight of the bookstore where they had filmed castle gosh uh lethal weapon the tv show bunch of commercials, a couple music videos, Girl Boss on Netflix. I I think we played a a bookstore in San Francisco in that one. Some pilots that I don't know necessarily went anywhere. Yeah, it's funny because I can think of projects where like I ran into friends who worked, you know, I had you know, friends who were like script supervisors and would end up working on a job in the bookstore. And it was very exciting to spend a day with a friend. There might have been one season. There was a show with Rachel Dratch and um, Jane Kismeric. And that that was exciting because I like Rachel Dratch. We didn't we didn't have Portlandia film at the store, but they did a huge event at the bookstore um, as an Emmys for your consideration event where they, you know, the folks from, uh, IFC dressed the store to essentially be women and children first from Portlandia. And then one that I, I love, it's funny cause it's, it is both the last bookstore and not because they were doing an exterior shoot for Birds of Prey, the movie, not the old TV show, but the Emancipation of Harley Quinn, the scene where um, Cassandra Kane is walking down the street and picking pockets was filmed right outside of the bookstore, and they put like rolling carts of books 
in our side entrance because they were shooting all of that as an exterior. And so it, you, if you know the store, like you, you see it's clearly like the outside of the last bookstore. But if you aren't familiar with it, you're like, oh, it's just, you know, a bookstore with its doors open to the street. And we're like, yeah, it looks like that. But that, that was fun for me because I, I, I really enjoy when, um, movies being shot with code names happen you know because you get those film la notices and you're like huh i haven't heard of this picture and then you just kind of look at it a little longer and you're like "Mm, okay i think i know what this is i don't even i don't even remember what the agents of shield code name was and you know it's off the air now so if i could remember i'd tell you because it wouldn't affect anybody any longer but it was always fun getting those shows or you know getting scouted for things that you weren't allowed to talk about. I mean, I will tell you the probably the two biggest disappointments that we were scouted for but didn't get. We were scouted for Ant Man and the Wasp. It would have been our only MCU movie. It would have been amazing because in in that movie, Paul Rudd's character Scott Lang like lives above a bookstore, and so at one point they thought about having just like a short action set piece in a bookstore, and so we were scouted for that. And then, oh, there, yeah, there was an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where when I saw the episode, I was like, oh, I know what they would have done to set it in the store, but I think to keep costs down rather than shutting us down, I saw how they did it on a lot instead. And I was like, yeah, that that is infinitely less expensive for them to have to send everybody out on location versus shooting in their normal lot. But I I would have really enjoyed that, too. Brooklyn Nine-Nine would film around the store a lot, so I'd still see folks, but I would have enjoyed having them shoot inside. You know, usually I get to, like, I see I see the filming itself, and I will often get to see a little bit from Video Village, so I get a sense of the shot as they've framed it. But getting to see it on screen is always fun because it's a different perspective on something that I would see all day, every day. So, you know, just the way they frame a shot and can make it look like an entirely different place. It's like, oh, this is so fun. And it it is always fun when, you know, people I know who knew the bookstore would see it and, you know, would text me a screenshot or you know, however, however they saw it and say, I saw your star. This is so cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. And just to be part of that movie magic, you know, I, I love being on set and it was a really fun way to do a job I love, which is book selling, but also, you know, get to do the thing that I thought I was going to do when I moved to LA in the first place. And like, be on set, be part of making movies and TV shows. So get a chance to kind of have my feet in both worlds a little. But yeah, it's, it is really fun to be like, oh, this is the place that, you know, I used to spend what felt like every waking moment, but really just 40 some hours a week. But you know, for other people, it is, you know, this, you know, magic moment. It is, it is a place out of a movie and not 
the place where they spend every day. And so to see it transformed in that way. And it's, yeah, it's interesting because my, you know, as you were describing this podcast, I was like, oh, this is a lot like what I do, but I do it with literary locations versus filming. I write a lot about, you know, places where books were set, places where books were written. And it's that same thing that, you know, by somebody capturing a place at a specific moment in time, it kind of lives forever. It gains additional significance. And so, you know, I, yeah, I don't work at the last bookstore anymore. I go visit friends and pick up books or, you know, I did in the before times when we went anywhere. But, you know, no matter what, if I, you know, I can turn on Netflix, I can put on a movie, I can catch a commercial and say, oh, like, there, there's this life that I lived for years, immortalized forever with someone else's camera and someone else's story. Thanks for listening to Filmed on Location. If a production was shot at your home, email us at filmedonlocationpodcast at gmail.com.